The Lord has called us to pray for folks, hasn't he? Prayer is a big part of what we do as Christians, as believers, as a church. And we know that it's not prayer that works, it's God that works when we pray. Amen. And faith works. All we have to do is put it into action through our prayers. Praise the Lord. So we're continuing our series on the blood of Jesus, the precious blood of the Lamb. We should be in this for quite some time. And um, what better subject is there to speak of than the precious blood of Christ? Our reading this morning was from Revelation chapter 12. I know we read that a couple of weeks back. But the reason why we revisited it is because I just can't shake the Lord saying to me here that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. It's so vital that we sing of the blood, preach the blood, pray about the blood, meditate on the blood, because it's the blood that gives us victory. We overcome the devil, the accuser of the brethren, the great dragon, the serpent, all of these things, these names that he goes by. But we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, which means when we put the blood and redemption in our mouths, when we speak of salvation, healing, deliverance, redemption, all the things that the blood brings us. And that's what we're looking at in this series of messages about the blood. We're looking at what the blood does for us and what it produces in our lives. And so we're going to just get through some more this morning. We've already seen that the blood gives us life. We've already seen that the blood is required for remission of sin and that the blood is the new covenant itself. Jesus said, the new covenant in my blood. And the, the blood washes and cleanses us from sin. The blood is perfect without defect. It's not the blood of an animal and it's certainly not the blood of a sinner. It's the sinless one. His blood was perfect and was shed for us. This blood also is for our baptism into Christ. We're, we're baptized and immersed in the blood when we become Christians. And now we're going to continue and see how uh, this blood makes us God's own possession. This blood makes us the possession of God. If you turn to Acts chapter 20 and uh, verse 28, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, we'll see this wonderful truth. It says, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. This is Paul speaking. And he's speaking to some believers and he's saying, take heed to yourselves. Take heed to the flock. You see, it's a pastor's job uh, an overseer's job to feed the church of God that's why when we come um, on a Sunday morning we hear the word preached we don't just have a good time we do have a good time uh, we have a laugh we have you know we have good breakfast we sing and worship but we all need fed I need fed and you need fed we all need fed to feed the church of God and because we're all sheep even the, the pastor, the word pastor means shepherd, but even the shepherd, even the pastor needs, is a sheep. We're all sheep and we follow the great shepherd. Amen? And don't follow a pastor or a shepherd who doesn't follow the great shepherd. 
And there are many of those. And, and, you know, we don't think about it much, but Jesus said, he spoke about all these people. He spoke about hirelings. Hirelings are people who want to preach. And they like the platform. They like the pulpit. They like being seen as leaders. But the Bible says when the wolf comes, the hireling flees. Amen. So hirelings are people who are in it for the wrong reason. We would call them mercenaries today. And of course there are wolves in sheep's clothing. There's all these things. But folks, we follow the great shepherd. The great shepherd of the sheep. And we're all sheep. And I don't care how big a, you know, how big a name you are as a preacher. If you're not following the great shepherd, then you're doing something wrong. So, but, but look what it says here. This is important. That's not really what I wanted to speak about. He says, he has purchased the church. He has purchased us. He's purchased every one of us with his own blood. That's what redemption means, really, is to purchase back, to buy back, to bring back into your possession. So that's why when we we should lament when we hear about churches and denominations that take all those old blood songs and hymns and choruses out of the, the hymn book. Because, oh well, we don't want to offend people But folks, if it's not a bloody gospel, it's not the gospel. Amen? So we need the blood of Jesus. And it's so important for us to emphasize the blood. We're purchased with his blood. And our next one that we're going to look at, the next thing the blood does is very similar. Um, We're God's possession because of the blood. And he's purchased us with his blood. So it makes us his possession. You know, if I buy something, it's mine. Amen? You know, if I steal something, it's not mine. No matter how much I drive around it, if I steal a car, it isn't my car. And it's only my car until the police catch up with me. Amen? So, or, or, or whatever it is you steal, it's not yours. Um, and, but if I buy a car, it's my car. And nobody can, can try and take it from me unless they're a thief. Um, So he's purchased us, we belong to him. And you know, the devil might come along and try to steal us, but we're God's possession, he purchased us with his own blood. And then the next one is that the blood is for our redemption. And you'll find that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. And it's a similar idea because... Redemption means to buy back. And what that reminds us, folks, is that we all, in one sense, belong to God because he's our creator. Everybody belongs to God in that he is the creator of us all. Amen? But we have estranged ourselves through sin. And what that means is, although we're God's possession... He doesn't possess all of us in the sense that our hearts have turned from him. And so when it speaks about redemption by the blood, what it means is it's the inner part of us, the true, the true heart of us, the spirit man that turns to him. And it's that that he buys back because our heart was in darkness. Our heart was wicked and deceitful and evil in Adam. And so when we become born again, that's why we have to be born again. So that the new born again us becomes his possession. 
And to do that, he buys us back. He redeems us with his blood. So Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In whom, that's in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace or his unmerited favour. So we, we are redeemed by the blood. We are bought back. Okay, it, it's, I, I use this illustration. It's like when you go to the pond and you hand in your precious jewellery. And I hope it's not too precious because if you do, can't get it back, somebody's going to buy it. So if you hand your wedding ring in, either because you need the money or because you're in a huff, you know. Um, I know a certain woman who's not in my earshot right now who, if she's in the huff, she'll take a pair of pliers to a ring. <laughs> so then you go to the pawn shop and get, you know, but anyway, you understand what I'm saying. But if you go to the pawn shop and you hand something in, if it's really precious to you, you want to buy it back. And that's what redemption means, to buy back something that once was yours or that truly belongs to you but has been lost. That's why we call the unsaved the lost. And it's not because God can't find them. It's because they've become lost to him. But he went to buy them back on the cross. And they go from lost to found. Amen. I once was lost. I was in the pawn shop. But now I'm found. Amen. Because he's bought me back from sin. He's bought me back from darkness. He's bought me back from that terrible place and from eternal destiny that, that was going to hell and so on. So, in whom we have redemption through his blood. His blood bought us back. And so therefore, his blood is for our redemption. You know, it wasn't just a good idea for Jesus to die on the cross. There was a purpose to a very serious, the most serious of, of anything in history was your and my salvation, my eternal, our eternal destiny. And so it's his blood that settled the matter. So Jesus bought us back and redeemed us. And you know, he's never going to let us go. It's not well... We'll need to get back in the pawn shop. Folks, when he bought us, it was once and for all. Praise the Lord. So this blood is for a redemption. And it says here, the forgiveness of sins. His blood is for the forgiveness of sins. And we also see that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, where it says the same thing. This is obviously a phrase that Paul used a lot. You know, just like there are wee phrases that preachers use a lot. And Paul was obviously, because Paul wrote Colossians as well, Colossians chapter 1 verse 14 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now we need to understand our idea of forgiveness is not God's idea. Okay? We think that forgiveness of sins just means to say, I forgive you. Okay? You know, like I choose to forgive you because I'm feeling in a good mood. You know that way, gents, when you're Wife goes in the huff, and 72 hours later, yeah, if you, if, yeah, if, if, if you're blessed, it's only 72 hours. But you know that way when someone goes in the huff with you, 
I won't just put it all on you ladies, because some of the men are huffy as well, aren't they? Yeah? Huffy men? I get told I'm a huffy man, so anyway. Don't believe it, but anyway. But if someone goes in the huff with you, and then you decide, you know, that's it, that's it, we're talking to them. But then your heart softens. And you think, ach, ach, well, was, you know, I'll just forgive them anyway. Because you feel good, you feel better. You know, the initial resentment and anger and, and, anger and bitterness and hurt and all that, that all calms down. And then so you say, well, okay, I'll forgive them. Because you make the choice. And you normally make the choice because you feel better. God doesn't forgive us like that. That's not what forgiveness means. And from the divine perspective, God chooses to forgive us because that's his nature, yes. But he chooses to forgive us because how can God bear a grudge when his son has given precious blood? When, when his son did so much. Remember Jesus hung on the cross? He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So, is God ever going to refuse a request from Jesus? The answer is no. And when Jesus gave his blood, that settled it once for all. For, for God the Father. It's not, well, I still get angry with these people, folks. And, you know, that's human. But the divine, the forgiveness of sin. And it doesn't just mean... God chooses to forgive you. It means he wipes out your sins and all memory of it. God chooses to not remember your sins. And I, I know of many men, and I've had the experience myself, if you go to the Lord in and, and prayer and mention something that he's all, you've already repented of, uh, I've had it, and I know other people have had it, the Lord will say, what are you speaking about? I've already forgiven you. Or I have no recollection of that. Because God chooses. See, we might forgive, but we remember. But God chooses not. I don't know how he does it, but he actually chooses and pulls it off because he's God that he has no more memory of that sin. He'll allow you to speak about it as a testimony. He'll allow you to say, well, I was once a crack addict, or I was once a drunkard, or I was once a whatever it is that you've got up to. Because it glorifies him. But he does not have any recollection of that. Because it, he's, when he puts it under the blood, that means he chooses to have no memory of it. Isn't that wonderful? So when we say you be of redemption, the forgiveness of sins, it's not, well, you know, we, we, we twisted God's arm and we managed to get him to, okay, I forgive you. It's not that. That's what we do. Amen. But we should be more like him and say, I choose to have no more memory of your wronging me or your hurting me or whatever. So it's so important to understand this. Isn't it wonderful that his forgiveness of sins, and the Bible, there's a Bible word called remission. We'll probably get to that as well. Um, we've already looked at remission um, in, in, in a, earlier on. But remission really is tied up with forgiveness. Remission means obliterate your sin. There's no longer a record of it. There's no longer a stain of it. There may be a consequence of it. You know, some sins you commit have consequences. But they're still remitted in terms of your dealings with God. In that God says, I've obliterated all memory of that. And it's a wonderful thing to have remission and forgiveness. And both of them simply mean God wipes out all 
he obliterates and completely removes all memory and stain of sin. Praise the Lord. And redemption also covers when you do things, um, let's just put it another way. You know, if you have a child out of wedlock, okay, uh, that's not good. That's against God's word, isn't it? But when you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I repent of that, I should have done that, whatever. God redeems that situation. He doesn't say, well, I'm, I'll forgive you, but I'm not having anything to do with your child. That child is then redeemed, in a sense. Does that, does that, mean? that relationship is then redeemed. So that's why the Bible says there's no condemnation. You know, some of the things that we did back in the day, and even as backsliders, or backsliders God does not hold stuff against us. It's so good to know that, isn't it? So that um, his blood cleanses us from any transgression, any sin, any iniquity. And that's why the church is not a place, folks, where we condemn each other. Or I remember you did this or you did that. Folks, that's completely against what we are as God's people. Amen. This is a place of forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation and healing, isn't it? It's not a place of damnation or condemnation. So praise the Lord. You might be the biggest bam, but you're not the biggest bam in here. Does that make sense? Because we don't hold record of wrongs. That's so important. Praise the Lord. So this blood is for our redemption. This blood is for our forgiveness. And then there's a word we want to look at now where it says the, the blood is for our justification. Uh, so that's in Romans chapter 5 and other places, but we'll look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. Now, justification, what does that mean? Um, it, it means, some people use it like this, it's a wee bit deeper than that, but it's a good way to start looking at it. Just to justify you know, we use that word, or oh, you're just justifying why you did that type thing. Well, justify in the Bible or justification means just as if I'd never sinned. Okay, now it is deeper than that, and we'll look at that. But what it really means is God will take you as a sinner. And you know, some of you goody two-shoes haven't done too many bad things in your life. You've, you've lived a wee holy life. That's great. We're all sinners though, aren't we? But some of us need a lot of forgiveness, need a lot of restoration. Does that make sense? So, um, but it doesn't matter how sinful a life you led or how goody two-shoes you were, always went to church and so on. We're all, one, we're all sinners, but two, we all require justification. And justification simply means, let's read the verse, Verse 9, much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We are justified by his blood. And as I said, what that means is we are brought to a place where it's no matter how bad we were, he brings us to a place where it's just as if we'd never sinned. We, we're walking as if we'd never done anything wrong. And, and that's not just, oh well, he takes us there every now and again and it's nice to feel that, but no, no. 
That's our true position in Christ now. That's how we're meant to live. Now, do we, do we, do we still mess up? Yes. Do we still, do, you know, do we still fall and sin? And do we still have road rage or stuff like that? Yes, we do. But our position, our legal status, you know, when you get married, you're no longer single. You're married, even if you don't feel like you're married. Amen. And you don't act like you're married. You're married. And if you, if you, you know, it used to be that if you uh, wanted to act when you were married, not married, you might find, up, find out that somebody took a picture of you. Amen? And it ended up being shown up in court. But you were married all the time, you were doing what they took the picture of. And it's the same now with, with, with Patricia being a granny. Well, once you're a granny, you're a granny. Amen? You don't say, well, I don't feel like a granny. Or a, or a parent, I don't feel like being a parent this week. You know, I know that feeling. <laughs> but it doesn't matter how you feel or how it seems. You know, once you're in a position, once you have the status, if you like, then that's who you are. It's, it's like being a policeman. If you join the police force and you're on duty, and even when you're not on duty, you're a constable, you're a policeman, a policewoman. Doesn't matter how you feel. You might say, ah, I just feel like going, uh, you know, lying on the beach. But no, you're on duty. So you have to walk the streets or drive around the patrol car. The point I'm trying to say is, when you're justified, you're justified. And we don't always feel it. And justified simply means to be made right with God. That's what it really means, the deeper meaning. To be the righteousness of God. And there's a lot of times maybe you don't feel like being the righteousness of God. You feel like, you know, being something else. Shouting at somebody, or, yeah? Or getting drunk or something. But the point is, you're still the righteousness of God. You're still justified. In other words, our actions have to match who we are. Our actions don't define who we are. Okay, because we're justified by his word. The minute you became a Christian, you were justified. We don't always feel like it. We don't always act like it. We don't always want to act like it. But we're still the justified. Amen. Just as if I'd never sinned. So we are the righteousness of God even when we don't act like it. It's a legal status. It's a position. It's who we are. You can't get out of it. You can't back off from it. You know, uh, we had a meeting in here last night and right outside the vestry was this screaming, screaming baby for ages and ages. And um, that baby, uh, well, it was very loud. But, you know, you can imagine the mother or the father or whatever saying, I'm off, I'm going home. But you can't do that when you're a, a mum or a dad. You can't do that. And you can't be not the justified once you've been justified by his blood. Because you have a status and a position and a duty, all of that. So the Bible says this blood is for your justification. It's for your redemption. It's for your forgiveness. It's for your justification. To be justified is to be pronounced legally righteous. Okay, this is a legal thing we're talking about. 
based on the shed blood of Jesus, this new status is imputed to us. That's in Romans chapter 4, verse 11. So to look at this from God's perspective, when God looks down and sees a believer, when he sees you folks, he views you through the sacrifice of his son, and in his sight you are without sin. He sees you through the blood. So wonderful. As Paul says, Therefore, as through one man's offence, which was Adam, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, which is Jesus, the free gift came to all men. Yes, we were born in sin, but the justice for our guilt fell on Jesus, not on you or me. Jesus paid the price. Okay? So that's a wonderful truth. It's a legal thing. You were, you should have paid the penalty for your sin, but Jesus paid it. And then you are justified because somebody else. You know, it's like, you know, it's not the same, but I'll, I'll give you the illustration, we'll close with it. If someone commits a crime and someone, in the, you know, a criminal fraternity says, well, you can't, you can't get banged up again, mate, because your wife and kids need you. I'm single, so I'll take the rap. I'll, I'll take the blame, I'll take the guilt, I'll, I'll stand in the dock and say it was me, Gov, and you'll walk free. Okay? It's not quite the same as that because Jesus was the guiltless one. He had, no, he had nothing. Uh, his blood was perfect. He was sinless. But he said, I will stand in your place and you will walk free. You will be the justified one. So that's what it means when it says the blood, we're justified by his blood. Well, praise the Lord. I hope that's been a blessing to you folks.